it going today, guys? We're back here live in the studio once again for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today is Wednesday, September 23rd. 2020 you know what that means sec football starts this week that's right saturday we will be watching the best conference play college football um who else would i choose to talk about that for me then once again ben gorwitz ben say what's up to everybody oh we have made it we have made it to sec football it's time to watch some real football um how's it going everybody we are both very excited to get this podcast started Oh, I'm beyond excited, and for those of y'all who can't see Ben right now, obviously, but he is wearing an Alabama polo. That's how excited he is. I mean, if, shoot, if I was an SEC fan, you know I'd be wearing whatever team my team is in the conference as well. But let's go ahead and get things started. Obviously, I'm from Georgia. Most of our listeners are from Georgia, so what are we going to talk about? The Georgia quarterback controversy to start things off. Ben, I'll let you take it away. Did Georgia make the right decision, and how do you think it will affect their team moving ahead? Well, the part part of the decision was made for them uh, with Jamie Newman opting out. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to side note real quick: Georgia was in in the running for De'Aaron King. Imagine if they would have gotten him; how much easier this decision would have been, right? Because you know, if you're a Georgia fan, I don't know if you can have the utmost confidence in Kirby Smart to make the right quarterback. I mean, he he hasn't had great success. I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, with picking the quarterback he's had great success in the record and all the field but so it's between Dewan mathis and uh and uh what's his name um jt daniels jt daniels thank you uh from what i've been reading Dewan mathis has looked incredible in practice um this is without a doubt the the best comeback story that you could possibly think of mm-hmm. um if you guys don't know his story he had to have surgery uh, to remove a brain cyst i believe it was uh, sat out all of last year and fought his way back to compete for this job. Um, they're a little bit different style quarterbacks. JT is more of what you've seen from Georgia in the past 80 plus years. Uh, a little bit more of a pocket passer, really big gunslinger kind of guy. Dewan's a little bit more of a dual threat. Um, we'll see if they both play. Um, I, from what I've been reading, it, it surely sounds like Dewan Mathis is going to be starting. Um, have you read anything different? No, actually what I read is that JT Daniels' knee is still a little messed up, so that's why that he hasn't really been playing as much. And that's why right. that the, and so that's why that he wasn't able to be named starting quarterback. I heard he did look good, but his knee wasn't ready to go. But I mean, like you said, honestly, Mathis is really their only choice at this point in time once Newman opts out. I will say this though, I don't think Newman opted out because that he or because he was gonna win the starting job. I feel like he definitely probably lost the starting job out to Mathis, who probably looked better than him and I mean, honestly, Newman really struggled to throw the ball when he, even when he was at uh, Wake Forest, except when he was throwing the ball to Sage Surratt, who, I mean, probably a second-round pick in the NFL draft this upcoming year. So, you know, I think Georgia really didn't have any other choice but to make this decision. But the good news is JT Daniels will be ready to go at some point in time. So if Mathis isn't the permanent answer at quarterback, then you've got another opportunity for another guy to step in. Yeah, and they shouldn't need um... – you know, everyone, all hands on deck for Arkansas week one. They, they should be able to beat Arkansas with just the talent they can put on the field. Um, De- De- uh, Mathis is going to be very interesting to see. We've never seen him. We've only heard some rumblings. He was a big-time prospect coming in. People were excited about him. Um, and then he uh, had that medical issue. So I'm happy he got that figured out. I'm glad the doctors at EGA are allowing him to play and compete. And let's see what this kid has. I mean, he's a young kid. Um like I said, I don't think they'll need 
all hands on deck against Arkansas. You know, no offense to Razorback fans if you're listening, but they do need them for Auburn, uh, which I think is their first big game. So um, no, that'll be a Bama t- week two, or is it all? Or, yeah, no, Bama I week think two, right. No, Bama's not till a little bit later. I think it, I believe Georgia's schedule in terms of like hard games here. I got it right here. Yeah, it's Arkansas then Auburn week two. Yeah, so and then it's Tennessee. So and then it's at Alabama. That's and then at Kentucky. Georgia's got a tough schedule to start. They're going to be a really good team. They really only need to be ready to play October third against Auburn. But we'll see. I mean, you know, like you said, their quarterback situation probably wasn't ideal, uh, but they're going to make the most of it. Yeah, and you know, I also think the SEC low-key did them a favor by scheduling Arkansas Week 1. I mean, they know these teams have hard schedules. The SEC doesn't want to throw their teams under the bus and, you know, have everybody. I mean, I think everybody will beat up on everybody within the conference, but, you know, they at least did Georgia a solid giving them. I mean, this is Sam Pittman's first game at Arkansas, so, you know, there's going to be a lot of growing pains there for Arkansas trying to change everything around. And, you know, Mathis, too. I mean, it's a good thing for him. At least he's got George Pickens to throw to. He had good news is, too, for him. He's got a great offensive line. He's got Zamir White back there. He's got other running backs he can turn around and hand the ball to. So, you know, it's not like all the pressure is going to be there on him. And, you know, honestly, I think it's going to be a good dynamic, though, for Georgia to have a quarterback who can open things up a little bit with his legs. You know, Fromm didn't really bring that dual threat action. I mean, he's a good athlete for a quarterback. No, one, no, no, quarter, no quarterback has at Georgia probably since – DJ Shockley off the top of my head. But DJ Shockley, you know, still too was more of a pocket passer. Like Georgia really hasn't had a dynamic, like they really searched for their dynamic quarterback after Stafford and never really had an answer at that quarterback position. I guess Aaron Murray, but I mean, after Aaron Murray, they really didn't have anyone until pretty much last year or when they brought in supposedly Eason when reality fields was the answer. Yeah. Um, and also Felipe Franks is now the starting quarterback at Arkansas. Wait, is he is he like fully recovered and ready to play? I was about to ask you that. I believe he's ready to go. Uh, he's he's been practicing, so I'm assuming that means he's fine. Um, was he granted transfer eligibility? I assume he didn't play in enough games at Florida to to burn his red shirt that year, right? It was either that or he already graduated and he's a graduate transfer. Um, I'm pretty confident he's able to play. I don't know if you're looking it up right now. Yeah. Um, but Georgia should also have a tremendous defense this year. Um, that's mm-hmm. really, I mean, you know, with Kirby, that's kind of the backbone of the team. It's really going to be the backbone of the team this year. I'm excited to see what Zimmer White can show. A um, lot of promise with this kid. Unfortunately, got hurt his freshman year. He's, he was just behind, a, you know, a bunch of good backs. Um, they still had James Cook, who's the younger brother of Dalvin Cook. Um, this Georgia team's, you know, very, very talented. They should be fine. Yeah, I agree with you completely. They're a very talented Georgia team. They should be fine. This is a perfect segue into our next question. We're asked, by the way, it said that uh, Franks was ready to go, so he, everything should be good to go for him. But the next question I'm going to ask is, you know, who's the best quarterback in the SEC? Tua and Burrow both left. You're probably two of the best quarterbacks in the SEC seen in years. Who do you think is going to kind of pick up where they left off and take over that top guy? Yeah, so there's two ways of looking at this for me. Um you know, it's kind of interesting. I'm curious to hear your thoughts of it. I think the quarterback that could prove the most, which in a sense would make him the best quarterback, maybe talent-wise, I actually think it's Bo Nix. I, I think Auburn's quarterback is very talented. Uh, I think he throws a good deep ball. I think he also has the ability to run, which is big in Malzahn's offense. The question for Auburn is going to be, can the offensive line help him out a little bit? I think he's the type of quarterback that he's just going to get better and better and better. I, I really do believe that. 
Kyle Trask has all this hype. I'm not believing it. I think the quarterback that's going to be the most successful, which makes him the best quarterback in the conference, and I'm sorry to be a homer, but I think it's Mac Jones because I think he has the weapons. He's got – this offensive line for Alabama is one of the best offensive lines Saban has put out there in a long, long time. He's got – let's see. He's got, I think, three seniors who all – he's got, I think, four or five people who all played last year, who all started last year. They're all veterans. Um, the youngest kid is Evan Neal, who started every game as a true freshman last year. Um, so he's not really a true sophomore. He's a little bit more experienced than that. Um, he's got – Mac Jones has Najee in the backfield. He's got Brian Robinson. He's got Trey Sanders, who was the best running back in a high school. He just hasn't really played yet. He's got Devontae Smith, who is – he might be the best receiver in the conference now that Jamar Chase is not playing. Uh, and then he's got the most dynamic player in college football now that Rondell Moore is not playing. Unless he's coming back, but that's Jalen Waddle. Mac Mac has plenty of weapons to to keep this offense being a prof, uh, prolific, efficient offense. And I just, I mean, Mac Jones is just fine to me. Uh, is he a superstar in what he's going to bring to the table? Like Tua, maybe not, but he's good enough. He's got a good arm. He makes good decisions, and he's an accurate quarterback. You know, um, what, you know what? I will say this to go with your point with that with uh, Mac Jones at Alabama is you know outside of Tua, Alabama never really had that big time. You know all-time great playmaking quarterback. You know, it was always somebody he was good enough and had great receivers like Julio Jones around him and have those mm-hmm. stacked-up backfields with the list of Alabama running backs they put in the NFL. It's, you know, they, that really is the first time they've had somebody like that with Tua. You know, even, I mean, Jalen Hurts is good. He got to the NFL, but, I mean, when he's at Alabama, he was mostly a runner and wasn't really the dynamic playmaker that he became later in his career. I think you'll see a lot of games where Mac Jones is probably throwing the ball between – 25 to like 32 amount of attempts mm-hmm. and i think you'll see him probably have six to seven incompletions in this game i think he's going to do what saban's going to ask him to do i think he's i think Bama's going to rely on this offensive line Najee harris is he had 22 or yeah the 20 touchdowns or 22 touchdowns somehow he's even underrated from that yeah. um so he returned you have the two weapons on the outside uh in Devonte smith who's been good ever since his freshman year and Jalen Waddle, who's also been outstanding since his freshman year. And then I'm looking for guys like John Mechie. He was a uh, five-star freshman. Um, he played a little bit last year. He was more of like the fourth or fifth receiver. Now he's listed as the third receiver on the roster. It's his time to explode. He had an unbelievable camp. Um, Mac Jones has all the weapons. So I'm going to pick Mac Jones as the most successful quarterback in the SEC of 2020. See, I'm not surprised you went with Mac Jones at all. And, you know, I can't necessarily disagree with you, but I'm going to go with Bo Nix. Look, Bo Nix has both his top two wide receivers back, Seth Williams. I can't remember the other guy's name. They have a 1,000-yard rusher back in their backfield. He's going to be a sophomore now. And then when you think factor both those things in, you know, Bo Nix kept, kept Auburn in every single game last year. I mean, they lost to Minnesota by seven. They lost to Georgia by seven. They lost to Florida by ten or by eleven. So you know any of those games could have gone any way. And you know Knicks had three interceptions in that Florida game and a couple costly fumbles and took a lot of sacks as well. So you know he's only going to keep getting better. You can also do it too with his legs, as he ran for over three hundred yards last year and had seven rushing touchdowns. I feel like he's a dynamic quarterback. You know he's a true freshman thrown in the fire, playing a brutal SEC schedule. I mean he went on the road to uh, play at LSU and only, I mean, obviously it's kind of a false final score, but I mean, still only lost the game by three points. You know, he went on the road and beat Texas A&M in his first real SEC game. You know, I think that Mac or that uh, there's a lot of experience on Bo Nix's side. And, you know, I think he's going to be ready to throw the ball around and 
do great things again with this Auburn football team. You know, I think defense might be a little more where Auburn sees regression, but I think offensively they're built and ready to have a better season. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with that. I think Bo Nix is a uh, good quarterback. I also think it's just can the offensive line hold up for him. Um, I've been talking to some Auburn fans I know. Um, that's that's where the concern is, um, you know, for right now. Um, you know, we'll see. I, I think – I think Bo Nix is. I think he's good. I think Seth Williams and the running back returning um, is also good news for him. We'll just see if they can keep him upright. Um, this Malzahn's offense is not going to work if his quarterback's being sacked, you know, four times a game. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just not. I mean, people are going to be putting people in the box to prevent the run, um, and they're going to be blitzing Bo Nix. I think he's going to be blitzed uh, probably more than any other SEC quarterback this year. To be honest with you. Um, I think people are really going to test that offensive line from the get-go. Uh, and this season's different. It's it's a brutal schedule for everyone in the SEC, everyone in every conference everywhere because you're only playing conference games. So you don't really have – I mean, yeah, Georgia's playing Arkansas week one, which, you know, when you're talking SEC schedule, that might be a cupcake game when you get to play Arkansas, Vandy, mm-hmm. probably even Missouri. But it's still an SEC team. It's it's still you got the big boys up front. I mean, it's 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 different than playing an actual cupcake. Yeah. So we'll see. I, I think Arkansas. If I was them, I would be blitzing Bo Nix left and right. Um, I mean, you got to test that offensive line right away out of the gates. No, I agree with you completely. Also, too, you know, I think it's kind of funny that neither of us mentioned the guy everyone's talking about as the best quarterback in the conference, which is Kyle Trask. I will say this in their defense. Look, I personally think that Trask is good. He's got a lot of weapons back on offense. I just can't put him ahead of Bo Nix or Mac Jones and, you know, maybe even Juwan Mathis if he ends up being that good. But Trask has does have over two touchdowns in every single game he played in. Only the bowl game against Virginia, he three for less than one touchdown, but he did a run for one, so he still had over two touchdowns in that game. But, you know, like we said, Florida's got a lot of guys returning on offense this year, and, you know, they're geared up for a big season. It's all going to come down, though, to what they can do against the Dogs. I think they're aren't the Gators favored to win the SEC East? Yeah, I believe they are. I haven't checked the official like I haven't checked everything officially, and honestly, I don't really like betting college football futures just because you really don't even know what you're going to get with these teams year to year. No, I'm not. I wasn't going to bet it. I'm. Just, I just think it's curious the fact that Dan Mullen has yet to beat Kirby Smart in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean he's returning a lot of players, but I mean the strength of the Georgia team is defense. So the fact that the strength of the Florida team might be offense is. We're setting for a good matchup uh, when those two get together. Um, you know, they, he's got Pitts returning at tight end. He's one of the better tight ends in college football. He's got Tony, uh, receivers, one of the fastest, more dynamic guys in college football. Uh, I believe he's number one. He gets a lot of jet sweeps, screen passes. He can take anything to the house as soon as he gets his hands on it. And then Dan Mullen's an offensive guy. Uh, he usually gets better year by year, but he has yet to beat his biggest rival in Georgia. So, it's you know he's going to need to show that uh, fan base that he can compete with Kirby Smart's defense, and so far he has not. No, I agree with you completely. It's time for Dan Mullen kind of put up or shut up. Look, Dan Mullen was always able to do great things at Mississippi State, but at the end of the day, he was never really ever able to win that big game. I feel like he could never put his team over the top when it came down to winning that big game, and. You know, it's been a lot of the same at Florida. I mean, winning that New Year's Six Bowl to me means absolutely nothing. So we'll see how Florida ends up looking this season, and we'll keep a watch out for the best QB in the conference. Our last storyline before we move into kind of picking who we think is going to finish where and whatnot in the conference is, um, do you think the SEC is still the king of college football, or is it too top-heavy too top and the rest of the teams don't really matter? I mean, what do you think about that one, Ben? 
So I actually think the SEC is not the deepest conference from from top to bottom in college football. Um, I think it's very top heavy. You know, when you think of the SEC, you think of uh, Alabama, Auburn, LSU from the West, um, and then from the East, it's really only been Georgia, but Georgia, Florida, and then a sprinkle of Tennessee. Maybe not really. Hey, they haven't really shown year. anything. You know, they're they're getting up. Pruitt's building a monster. He really is. He's recruiting uh, um, great at Tennessee. Um, his offensive line should be really, really good this year. I'm just not ready to pick them to make that jump over the hump yet. So I'm only going to include Georgia and Florida. So there's really only five teams that I think are kind of the favorites in the SEC as a whole. But all five of those teams are probably a top 15 team in college football. Um, you know, you have in the top 10, you have. Auburn, Georgia, Alabama, and LSU to start the year. Do I have that correct? Yeah. Uh, and then Florida, I believe – I think Florida's right outside, aren't they? Yeah, so Georgia's four, Bama's two, Auburn's eight. Oh, Florida's five. My bad. So all, all those teams I just named are all within the mm-hmm. top ten. Um, so I think it's pretty top-heavy. I think from top to bottom, I, I think I'm going to go with the big ten. Um, because the Big Ten has teams that might not be national championship contenders, but they are good programs. You know what I mean? Like, I think in the SEC, if you want to say national championship contenders, I really only think it's, I think it's those three teams from the West, Auburn, LSU, Alabama, and I think Georgia. I think until Florida does it, I don't think you can really put them in there. I really don't. They have not beaten Georgia yet, so... I can't say they're definitely going to win the East, even though if they're favored, until they actually do it. Hey, you know, I would honestly agree with you, but at the same time, the worst of the worst in the Big Ten are absolutely awful. I mean, you got teams—they're like, atrocious. You got teams like Rutgers kicking around dirt in the bottom of that conference in Maryland. You know, like but the SEC has Vandy. Yeah, but I mean, you could look at every conference like that. I mean, the ACC had UNC go a bunch of years where they didn't win any games, or you know. So I mean, I definitely feel like that the SEC is still the king, in my opinion. You know, I feel like the Big Ten and the SEC have the most groupings of good football teams, but at the same time, I feel like they kind of fall off in the same ways. You know what I mean? Like you have a couple yeah. class of teams that can compete for that Final Four spot that you think might have a chance, and it's the same way in both conferences. But then I feel like you really fall off, and you know. Like you said, at the same time, though, in the SEC, I mean, and the Big Ten, these teams can beat up on anybody. These teams are built more like pro-style teams, and they pump out lots of NFL talent. So, you know, you're never playing some scrub team week to week. You know, you're always playing a team that, worst case, is going to have a bunch of three, three and a half, you know, kind of star players running around out there. And even, they, you know, they might pick off some of these better guys who don't really get the shots they want at the bigger schools, you know, and come down to a smaller school. Like, I think Mason Ramsey transferred from Indiana to Northwestern, you know, like they're all, or Peyton Ramsey, that's his name. Um, so, you know, you'll have players move around like that. But ultimately, I think the SEC is still king, though. You know, I think you have some of the – you definitely have the teams, I think, that are putting the most money and everything in their program. You know, I honestly feel bad for Texas a They put all this money in their program, and they're still – they went from being an average Big 12 team to now an average SEC team. Yeah, I mean, they're good, but they're not great every single year. I mean, exactly. usually – Usually they're around 4-0 and when they play Alabama. Alabama beats them, and then their season just starts to fall off. Um, like you, you mentioned remember this when they had, You remember when they had Kenny Hill, and they went into Alabama, and everyone was like, oh, Texas a might be pulling it upset today. Like, it's going to be a big game. And I think Alabama beat them for like 59-0 to or something like that. It wasn't even close. 
you know, this will be the last point I make on whether the SEC is caring or not. It probably is because, like you mentioned, the NFL talent. If you look at the draft, you know, I for the last I don't even know how many years, the SEC always has the most players drafted. It always has the most players on active rosters when you look back on it, like halfway through the NFL season. Um, they they just put the most in the NFL. So I would probably say it's king because they get the results on the field and they also, um, you know, put them at the next level. Also, too, it's the only conference to have two teams in the college football playoff at the same time in the same year, you know. So that's another reason, too, right there. But, no, I agree with you. See, the thing is Ohio State puts players in the NFL like that. Michigan puts some as close Penn to those State. teams. Yeah, but like when you think about Alabama, Florida, LSU, um, Georgia, yeah, Georgia. I knew I was forgetting one of the big. When you just think of those four right there, just to start things off with, I mean, those teams. You see anybody pretty much who's a senior gets drafted pretty much, or you know, or anybody who leaves early is getting drafted and getting a shot in the NFL. So, I think like those teams are on a different level from everyone. From there, let's start with who's your most underrated team in the conference. I think it's I think it's Auburn. Um, I do think it's Auburn because Auburn is not projected to win the SEC. They're not projected to win the SEC West, but they're a good team. And I'm not. And I'm expecting. I don't know if it's you. Uh, I'm pretty sure you and I are on the same page on this. But I'm expecting a little bit of a, a pretty drop off um, from LSU. I this might be a hot take. People can you can come at me on Twitter for this take all you want. Uh, my name's at Benny G twenty four. Um, I don't think Ed Ogeron's that good of a coach. I don't think he's anything special as a coach. Um, to be honest with you, I don't. I mean, okay, did they just win the national championship? Yeah. But there was one key difference in the national championship year from the years that Ogeron's been there, and that was uh, Brady that came in to be the offensive coordinator. I legit – the the um, the progression that Burrow went from in his first year at LSU to what he just did last year is one of the greatest college football seasons – is is not Ed Ogeron. I don't care what anyone says. That dude is a glorified cheerleader. Um, I think he knows football. I think he's probably a pretty good offensive line coach. He's been around the SEC, had good coaching jobs, but I don't think he's that good of a coach, so I expect to drop off from them. Auburn, it's just the offensive line. That, that's all I'm worried about. Um, you know, Their defense it might start a little slow, but I, I expect them to play just fine in their big games. I expect Bo Nix, like we talked about earlier, to get even better from last year. Seth Williams is an absolute stud on the outside at receiver. I think Auburn is just fine. I think uh, – who did uh, – I'm blanking. Who did Auburn just bring in to be offensive coordinator? Um, Was it Chad, Mor- Chad Morris, right? Yeah, yes, yes, from Arkansas. Yeah, okay, so he failed as a head coach, but if you remember where he was before that, he was dominating that offensive coordinator at Clemson. This dude knows how to call plays. It's going to be a perfect fit. Um, in his spread offense for Auburn. I think as long as Malzahn keeps his fingers off the play calling, then I think Auburn is going to be very good on offense. So I think Auburn is the underrated team because they're going to be good, yet they're not projected. Uh, I don't know if you saw the, the media poll, but Alabama was favored by a lot of votes. I don't know if you saw that. But, no, I did. I did. Uh, so I think Auburn is underrated for that reason. I did. I saw the. Um, by the way, I saw the uh, media poll. They had predicted the winner seven times out of the last twenty-eight correctly. So take that for what it's worth. Um, I will say this though. 
I, I like Auburn. I think the offense will be really good. I'm a little scared, though, on the defensive side of the ball. When you lose Derrick Brown, who was a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, and Marlon Davidson, I mean, those big boys up front, I mean, they got such a big push for Auburn and blew up a lot of teams run attacks and got to the quarterback a lot I feel like that's going to be tough to replace right off the bat which I think might be a little bit rough for them but honestly my most underrated team I'm gonna have to go with Kentucky look if Joey Gatewood's cleared to play at quarterback I think that Kentucky is going to have a dynamic offense they have talent at wide receiver they have talent at running back they arguably have a top five offensive line in the nation top three even um, the defense is stacked up too as well. I mean, they had a pretty good defense last year, and I mean, this offense ran well when they had Lynn Bowden back there who could barely even throw the ball 10 yards down the field. I feel like Kentucky can bring a lot of those things back, and you know, the biggest thing is Mark Stoops is going to be able to play that nobody's talking about Kentucky, nobody's paying attention to us card every single year. And, you know, that's what he's doing again right here. I guarantee you he's telling them, hey, nobody's giving us a shot, nobody's saying we can do anything in this conference, and that's the way they'd like rather have it be, you know, is underrated. But how confident are you? So Joey Gatewood is not who was. If people don't know his name, he was a, I believe a five-star quarterback that went to Auburn and transferred to Kentucky. He has one not that much experience playing. He rarely played in Auburn. He's massive. By the way, if you guys don't know who he is, he's a, a specimen. Uh, legit, he might be Cam Newton size. Um, but are you worried about his lack of experience? But also, he has not been cleared to play. And week one starts this weekend. So they got Terry Wilson, Terry Terry Wilson, mm-hmm. who was their quarterback last year that got hurt. Um, he's more of a runner than a thrower. I, I have not been too impressed with his arm, but he can run the football pretty efficiently. Um, are you worried if, if Gatewood can't go on Kentucky? Yeah, I'm definitely worried if Gatewood can't go on Kentucky. You know, I think Wilson's decent, but I kind of agree with you. I think that having – a guy like Gatewood in there gives them an extra dynamic, you know, because a lot of teams don't have a quarterback that that's good. So I feel like without Gatewood in there, it's tough. And so without Gatewood in there, you know, I would say Auburn's a decent pick. I would also say Tennessee could be a decent pick to be a sleeper. I just don't want to buy into the Tennessee hype because, I mean, how many times do you hear that Tennessee is all this talent stuff and they're all stacked up? I Until Jerry Guantanamo does anything to prove himself to me, it's tough for me to, to uh, back Tennessee. But I will say this. Like you said, you know, Pruitt stacked him up. He's a defensive-minded head coach. If he can just go in there and take care of the ball and get them up and down the field a little bit, you know, put in 24 points a game, they're going to have a lot of opportunities to win football games. Yeah. I mean, the SEC has – there's teams that can excite you. I just don't think if they're, they're going to win enough to really call them a sleeper. I think Tennessee will be exciting week to week. Um, and then, of course, you have Mike Leach, who's at Mississippi State now. Uh, Kylan Hill has returned uh, from opting out. He also has K.J. Costello, who was a transfer quarterback with a ton of experience. He transferred from Stanford. Uh, so we'll see what Mike Leach can look like. This is a lot different from the Pac-12 um, or the Big 12 where he was at uh, uh, Texas Tech. Those conferences do not play defense. Um, we'll see him. And then, obviously, Lane Kiffin returning to the SEC at Ole Miss. Uh, he's got Reese, John Reese Plumley. He's a dual-threat quarterback. He's got some talent there. Receiver, they're just pretty young. But Kiffin, I mean, Kiffin can really – he can score some points like Leach. The Egg Bowl would be very exciting even though it won't mean anything. Yeah, and, you know, more so too when I was saying sleeper, I was thinking more so of like a team that I think can, you know, go 9-3 and three and ruin somebody's season by winning a game they shouldn't. And, you know, I was thinking maybe Kentucky or Tennessee can have Florida or Georgia, you know, and go in there and beat one of those teams. And then obviously they're going to beat each other, you know, and kind of eliminate the other one from contention. So – 
You know, I feel like it's more so that with those teams. But I mean, out of all the teams for like battling to actually have a shot to go to the Final Four, I would definitely agree with you that Auburn's probably got the highest chance. I just think though it's going to be tough to replace those big boys up front. Yeah, without a doubt. So let's segue into uh, your conference player of the year. Whoa, whoa, whoa! First, we got to do most overrated team. Oh, I mean, that's that's until they do something. I think it's got to be Florida. Whoa. I think it has to be. I was going to go Texas A and M. Texas A and M is no. getting all this hype again this year. I'm reading all kinds of hype on. That's what I was reading it's, all day today. Was hype on Texas. The A&M. answer, the answer is Florida because they are projected to win the SEC East for the first time in a couple of years. They have all these weapons returning on offense. I'm tired of hearing about is Kyle Trask the best quarterback. They've proven nothing. They have proven all Dan Mullen has proven is that he can win the games he's supposed to win, and then he loses to Georgia every single year. They are the most overhyped team until they beat the team from Athens, Georgia. Easy answer for me. You know, I'm actually going to side with you on that one just because, like you said, you know, Dan Mullen's never won that big game, whether it was him coming up short against Alabama, whether it was him coming up short against Georgia every single year. I'll side with you on that one, but also, too, I think just for the sake of talking about somebody else, I think Texas A&M is very overrated, too. I mean, Kellen Mond Always. on the road had a 55.6 per completion percentage, and he had a 3-2 to touchdown-to-interception ratio versus ranked opponents, which is not good at all. And then on top of that, they have to play Florida from the east. So, you know, things don't get any easier from the fact that they are going to have to play the Alabamas, Auburns. I'm not necessarily going to throw LSU into that category, but, you know, they're going to have to play all those teams right there. So, I mean, that's it's it's not going to get – it's not going to be pretty or easy for Texas A&M. And, you know, I think Jim is going to turn into another disappointing season in College Station. It's what he does best, right? Yeah, and honestly, there's Jimbo nothing – Jimbo does that, best. Yeah, and there's nothing better than watching Jimbo suffer as well. Nothing but a big <laughs> smile on my face. Um, let's go ahead now and get into the best player in the conference. Um, who, well, who do you think is going to win SEC Conference Player of the Year? I think that's the better way to say it. Who who won it last year? Was it, it was Burrow, right? Obviously. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know, but I mean, if it's not Burrow, then they got to redo that. Well, I'm, the reason why I mean, it was definitely Burrow because he won the Heisman and all that. Yeah. I'm just curious: is this a award that's been dominated? The Heisman has turned into a quarterback award. Do you know if if this award? Is it scored fairly? Um, I can't remember past winners, past Burrow. Um, I would say if it's more of a quarterback award, um, then I'm going to go with – yeah, go ahead. So since 2010, Trent Richardson, Trey Mason, Amari Cooper, Derek Henry, and Kerryon Johnson all won the award. So it's pretty much been 50-50 okay. since then. And before that – Darren McFadden won it twice, back-to-back years. Mark Ingram won it. So there's definitely been some guys, you know, who don't play, um, who don't play quarterback to win this award. I'd say it's probably like 60-40, honestly. Okay, then I'm gonna stick with my initial gut, and I'm gonna go with uh, Jalen Waddle. Um, I think to win an award like this, you have to do, uh, you have to be multi, like you, you have to do, you have to be multi-dimensional. That's the word I couldn't mm-hmm. get out. Um, Waddle is the number two receiver. He's really one A. Him and Devontae Smith are they've been there the entire time. Uh and they produce every single year. Uh Waddle is now only really behind Devontae Smith, and he's not really behind him. When he first showed up, there was Smith, there was Ruggs, there was Judy. You know, and he still was outstanding. Um it's gonna be Waddle he's gonna get a lot more receptions. His receptions will go up from last year. Uh, which has a chance for his touchdowns to go up, but also he's the punt returner. He's the best punt returner in all of college football. 
Um, Absolutely. He is also, according to the depth chart, he's also going to be doing kick returns this year, which is not something he's really done in the past. Um, it's not really something you see someone his size do a lot. That Usually the smaller guys are stick to punt returning. He's listed as um, the kick returner as well as punt returner as well as wide receiver two. I think he's set up on paper to have a monster year. Um, I think Sarkeesian calling plays for him with that continuity is it's already set in stone. Um, I'm not worried about the Alabama offense one bit. Um, that's my pick. I, I think Alabama is going to have a really good year offensively as they have um, under Sark since he's been back at Alabama. Um, you know, I don't want that to sound like a homer pick because I went to Alabama. I just think that Jalen Waddell is the most dynamic player in college football. So I think on paper he's going to be set up to do the most. And I've, I should have, uh, I shouldn't be worried about him executing it because he's done it the past two years. It's been outstanding. Yeah, I think that's not a bad pick. And I was considering taking Jalen Waddle, but because there's so many players in this conference, I'll pick somebody else apart from you. But I honestly, I think that's a really good pick. And, you know, like you said, I mean, he affects the game in more ways than just being a wideout. But I'm actually going to go with Alabama running back Najee Harris. And like you said earlier, you know, he ran for 20 touchdowns last year. I mean, if he gets around that number again, he could easily do it. I don't think Mac Jones can have those crazy numbers. I mean, I'm not going to give away who I think is going to win the conference here or anything, but I think that Alabama is going to have a really good season, and they're going to be one of the top teams up there. So, you know, I think Najee Harris can easily lead this offensive charge, and if he can help the team out in the pass game as well a little bit, I don't see why he wouldn't win the award. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good players in the SEC. Um, it just kind of depends on, you know, what team shines. So, for instance, if Florida kind of comes out on top of the SEC East, then it's, it's probably Trask or it's one of their playmakers at receiver. Um, you know, if it's Auburn, it's 100% going to be Burnix. Um, I have no doubt about that um, with hey, him being a dual threat. Yeah, if it's Georgia, I think it has to be Dewan Mathis just because they subbed through those running backs so much. You know, they have such well, a it's either, backfield. It, I feel like no e one can do it. It's either him or I think George Pickens is, is, is a sleeper yeah. pick. Um, as long as he's not punching people and getting kicked out of games, I, I legit <laughs> I legit think he's – I'm thinking off the top of my head. I, I, I put him behind the two Bama receivers just because they've been there a little bit longer, uh, Waddle and Smith. But he's, he's up there for one of the best receivers. Um, I'd say he's top four, top five receivers in this conference. And I think this conference has some of the best receivers in the country. Um, I think the two from Bama, I think Pickens, uh, unfortunately, Blaylock for Georgia is not going to be playing. And then I think Seth Williams from Auburn um, is a stud. And then a and I'm blanking on his name right now, but A&M also has a stud at wide receiver. So this, this conference is talented. Um, I just, you know. I'm going to pick with Waddle because he does more than just catch passes. Hey, I like that pick. It's always never a bad option picking someone to win an award from Alabama. Um, next up here, it's time. I mean, Ben, I think everyone knows your answer. Who's playing in the SEC championship and who's walking out of here going to the college football Final Four? So from the West, um, I'm going to stay with my alma mater. I'm going to pick Alabama. Um for a lot of reasons, um, not just because I root for them. Um, like I said, I think the offensive line, it's its so experienced coming back. The running back, I mean, the offense has just loaded amount of weapons. But and the thing with Bama is, you know, their defense was terrible last year. It was atrocious, to be honest with you. And that might be putting it easy. Um, 
but you got to remember they they did lose. So every team loses people throughout a season, hundred percent. But Alabama lost their signal caller, uh, middle linebacker Dylan Moses. He's back. He's back. They also lost Joshua McMillan, who was a fifth year last year starting linebacker. Uh, he's now torn his ACL. I think twice now he's back for his sixth year wow um so they got him back they got moses back um i have i mean have you heard i follow alabama closely have you heard of this true freshman coming in will anderson he is supposed to be about him today he's supposed to be the next great pass rusher that comes out of alabama he's actually got the starting job he had that good of a camp um bama finally has lebron ray he was supposed to be a big guy in the defensive line healthy. He's been battling injuries two or three years in a row now, kind of playing through them until his body just gives up. You got Pat Sertain, who's considered one of the better corners in college football, coming back for his junior season. And then they have talented Josh Job, uh, who has not played a lot, but they get into I think this Bama defense will be one of the better, more talented defense since that 2016 defense, which was just loaded with talent. So I'm picking Bama out of the West. And we're going to pick Georgia out of the East, which for everyone that knows me, yes, I grew up a Georgia fan. Sorry for being a homer. Georgia's defense is going to be unbelievable. They were unbelievable last year. They were going to be unbelievable again. The biggest name for them, uh, their big name is Nolan Smith. He was a stud as a true freshman, as a pass rusher. He was, I believe, top three player out of high school, um, out of IMG Academy, I want to say. He's back. He's only going to get better. Um I think with Georgia, it's just can they score enough points, which is always um, the concern you have with Georgia. Their quarterback situation does concern me, but I think their defense will just carry them. Uh, I really do. So I'm picking Alabama and Georgia, and I get. I mean, Bama's beaten them the last five times they've met. They're going to face each other in Tuscaloosa well, this year. Sense. I believe it's. I believe it's week four they play. Mm-hmm. So I don't even care if Georgia beats Alabama and Tuscaloosa. I really don't. They face each other in the SEC championship game. I'm not picking against Nick Saban in a big game. Yeah, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head with how bad the defense was last year. It was the worst it had been in Nick Saban's time. So the only thing that means is it can't get any worse than that. Like you said, the offense is stacked up. I'm not going to sit here and repeat everything you said. I'm on Alabama to win the West once again. I mean, I think it's a no-brainer there. I think continuity is going to be huge this year in college football, and Alabama brings so much back. I think that's going to be massive. Um, For the East – you know what? Might as well be different here. I'm going to go with Florida. Like I said, continuity is going to be massive. They bring back everybody on offense. You know, you got to feel like Dan Mullen's got to win the big game eventually. I mean, we thought it with Mark Rich and it never happened for him. Hopefully Dan Mullen's not cut from the same cloth if you're a Florida fan. I'm actually a Florida hater as a Florida State fan, so that's how you know I'm being unbiased. I think the Gators have a really good team this year, and I think the Gators will. Um, I, they're playing in Jacksonville again this year, right? I believe that's the plan. Okay. Yeah, so I think the Gators will walk out of Jacksonville victorious this year, and I think ultimately Kyle Trask will have a good season, and he's only going to keep getting better. I think that Florida is going to end up winning the SEC East, and, I mean, I'm taking Alabama. Again, Alabama is that team. I have them going all the way to the national championship game and losing to Clemson there. I know you probably don't agree with me on that one, but that's 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 the way I like things to play out. Clemson's great. I do have a question for you. As of today, Mm -hmm. right now, What's the difference between Tom Herman and Dan Mullen? Because Tom Herman's actually won big games. Tom Herman, when he's at Houston, he beat Florida State and Oklahoma in the same season. Tom right, Herman, but at Texas, he's beat oh, Oklahoma when he's at Texas, once. I'll defend Tom Herman on this one at Texas. 
Two years ago when he first came in there, he did beat Oklahoma in the uh, in the um, Cotton Bowl. I was drawing a blank on the on the name. But after that game, he lost again, or he lost to him the following year. I mean, Texas was down last year. They only had nine returning starters total. This year again, Tom Herman's got everybody back. I think this is him's breakthrough season. But but here's my thing. I don't see a difference in those coaches since Herman's been in Texas and Mullen's been at Florida because they both recruit exceptionally well. I would say Florida probably recruits the second best out of the SEC East, I would say. Um, Tennessee's close, um, but it's only really been a, a year and a half of recruiting monsters for Pruitt. Herman probably recruits second best out of the Big 12, right, behind Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So I think I think they're both good coaches. I think they both have not gotten over the hump with their programs right now. Um, even though Herman's beating Oklahoma, who cares? He has hey, not Herman won the Big 12. Herman has an unreal record, too, and as a going into games as an underdog. I know, obviously, a good bit of it is ATS, but, I mean, still, he plays big and but, keeps games close as an underdog. I mean, even against LSU, he made LSU play down until probably – that was probably LSU's closest game all season was at Texas. Now, it was the second game of the season on the road in a hostile environment, but – I mean, they played them down the stretch pretty well. I mean, they were a Joe Burrow third and ten pass and a missed tackle away from possibly getting the ball back and having a chance to win the game. Yeah, but my point is they both have good programs. They both recruit very well. They both are expected to win their – I mean, literally, Texas goes in every year, and we debate if they're back or not. We debate if they can challenge Oklahoma. People think this is their best year. Well, people think Florida's chance this year to knock off Georgia is this their best chances this year. So they're on the same boat, are they not? Both but teams also, are predict- But also think about this This too. When's the last time they had quarterbacks come back like this? I mean, Felipe Franks was garbage. Um, Jeff Driscoll, garbage. Um, Jacoby Brissett, garbage. None of those guys did no, anything that's fine. in Florida. But that's fine. But it's time to put up or shut up. You can't keep saying Florida's going to challenge Georgia if they haven't even beaten them yet. It hasn't even been a contest. Kirby Smart's undefeated against Florida. It's not like... You know, uh, Herman at least has that one victory, so we know he can beat Oklahoma in a given year. We haven't seen it from Mullen yet, yet they're both projected to challenge the challenger um, for their division. And Florida is supposed to be a challenger to any SEC West team. So I think Florida's a good pick to win the conference. I can see that happening. They are returning a lot of production on that offense, and their head coach is an offensive guy. But until they do it, it mean it's it's just a it's just a bunch of talk to me. Hey, fair enough. I think this is Florida's year. It's time for them to break through. You know, could very well be wrong, but I also honestly just like going against you as well. I will say this: I feel very strongly about Texas though this year. I'm on the Longhorn bandwagon. It could come back to bite me here soon, but until they bite that's fine. Me, hey, Texas trust is a it, good I'm, program. I've, I've got Sam Ellinger as well as my Heisman Trophy winner this year, so. We'll see what ends up happening there with everything with Texas and how it all plays out. You know, I'd love to see somebody besides Oklahoma get into the Final Four out of the Big 12. That's fine, but until it doesn't, I, I'm not going to choose anyone to beat Oklahoma. Hey, fair enough. I respect it. You got to – I mean, hey, it was the same way for a long time there with Alabama and the SEC, so definitely understand you there at that point. Um, do you think we missed anything, or do you think we covered everything pretty well? Anything you want to circle back on before we get out of here? Um, do you think – there's a chance the team goes undefeated in the SEC. Yes, I would say the winner of Georgia and and uh, and Alabama has a decent shot at going undefeated. I'm gonna say this though, I think it's gonna be very very hard. I mean, all these teams have to play so many games on. I mean, the good the one good thing is though, there's gonna be no fans in the stadium. So like, if a team like Alabama or Georgia, or not much not better. many fans. Yeah, I think I, I mean, think the SEC is doing like twenty percent or. 
you know, but it's nothing. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like since you don't have as many fans in the stadium, it creates a better chance for these teams to have a shot at going undefeated on the road. But, I mean, it's going to be pretty hard. I mean, I'd be shocked. To be honest with you, I think everybody loses at least one game in the SEC this year. I think so, too. I, I really do think. I think the wear and tear playing in SEC, um, specifically, I think uh, between the trenches, between the mm-hmm. big boys, um, if, if you don't, and this is where Bama has had problems in the past. If your defensive line or, or offensive line cannot stay healthy, you're, it, it's going to be really hard to win games in this conference when every single game is against an SEC opponent. Because even when you play the lower teams like Vandy, well, Vandy still has – they probably have bigger offensive linemen than the smaller, lesser, talented schools in other conferences. It's still SEC play. No, I agree. See, I agree with you completely. That's what I'm saying. Like, you think about it. Like, these some of these teams, they play three or four, like, teams that are ranked in the top ten right now in a row. You know, you get done with that gauntlet and you're undefeated. And the next game you've got, like, a Kentucky or Tennessee, you know. Like, the you're it's, it's kind of like a letdown spot. And especially when it's college kids, there's even more of a chance that that letdown spot's going to get to you, you know. So, I feel like that all those, all those things you put forth there, like – it's going to be difficult. And, and if anyone runs the table and goes undefeated this year in the SEC, I think it should be like the most impressive undefeated in college football, not because they won the most games, but because of the circumstances they did it in. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned the winner of the Georgia-Alabama game, which is in Tuscaloosa, but Georgia's got two tough games before they even reach uh, mm-hmm. Alabama. They got to play Auburn, and they got to play Tennessee. Now, let me double check real quick. Yeah, they got to play Florida right after too. So they play; they're home against. Home meaning in Athens uh, against Auburn and Tennessee, so that is that helps. But like you just mentioned, it's not as much of the home field advantage as it usually would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know after Bama they have at Kentucky, they're at Bama at Kentucky, then a bye week, then they play Florida. It is a gauntlet for Georgia. Can they do it? Yes, their defense. Their defense should be able. to to stop just about every or at least slow down about every offense this year um it's just can they score points and we're not going to find that out until saturday but really week two absolutely those of y'all want to hear me and ben talk about all these matchups coming up on saturday you got to listen to friday's podcast we're about to go in we finally have some good college football games we're not sitting here talking about charlotte and clemson anymore we're sitting here talking about the big boys play some football um we appreciate everyone who tuned in this podcast Ben, I appreciate you coming on once again and helping me out. Yeah, hope everyone has a great Saturday, enjoying some football. Uh, It's time to put a smile on my face the entire Saturday. I'm happy. Hey, I'm happy too, Ben. I'm right there with you. Once again, I appreciate everyone who tuned in, and we'll talk to you all later.